Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Luke 5, Luke 5. So Peter and Jane, they got away okay and they, they settled. Steve and Lily were, da- were in Mattisa yesterday, weren't you, to see Peter and Jane. And I think a few others went as well. I know I spoke to Peter this week and he was very disappointed in, in not got a Wi-Fi connection yet. So the most important things you need to get when you move into a house is Sky and Wi-Fi. <laughs> and they're the things he always tries to do first. But praise God, they're settled in. So Luke 5, verse 1 to 11, we're going to read. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in from the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything and followed him. Amen. Amazing bit of scripture. The story of Simon Peter who would soon to become Peter. This great story of the what's called the miraculous catch. If you look in your Bible, it's titled the miraculous catch. Amazing story of some guys who were fishermen at the time. You know, the, that's the, the scene around at the time in that area would have been people fishing. Very different where we are, the culture where we are today. But that was their work, that they were fishermen. And as Jesus walks up to see these guys... Their boats sat at the shore, and he says he steps into the boat to use their boat and to preach from it because the people were crowding around. But his whole message here was not necessarily, as he always spoke in parables, wasn't just about fish. It was about people. The very last bit of that story says, from now on, you will fish for people. And he used this term to, and this story and this miracle to explain and for people to understand that his whole purpose there was, and their purpose was to catch people. 
not fish. Not just to bless them with abundance of their work. But the whole purpose was to catch fish, catch people. It's an amazing story. And this morning, the title of my message is this, pushing the boat out. Pushing the boat out. Because I believe that this story represents what I believe this church needs to do in the next season. That we need to push the boat out. If some of you know an English term that we use here, you might not have heard it before, but we say we're pushing the boat out. Last week we pushed the boat out for Peter and Jane. We didn't just have a few cookies and a bit of coffee. We pushed the boat out. We went extra step further to a level of excellence that we wanted to honor them. We wanted to take it that bit further, spend a bit more money, a bit more time. People were baking cakes and we pushed the boat out. That's what we say in this, in this country. We push the boat out. And the title of this message this morning is push the boat out because I believe that that's what we need to do. We need to take some principles from this story to go into this next season of what God wants us to do as a church. But not only do we need to physically push the boat out as it were in this story and reach people to catch people, to fish for people, but we also need to push the boat out and give a level of excellence and go that one step further just like we did last week. Which sometimes requires from us far more than we could ever imagine. The first thing that we see in this story, number one, is that we need to be available to God. Simon Peter was willing to release his boat. So he has right there by the shore his boat. There's two boats. They've been fishing all night, it says. So they've already been out of work. How many of you know when you've been working hard all day, you come back, the tools of the trade are down, and you're not ready to do any more work. All you're ready to do is rest. And all their boats were there. And it says Jesus steps in. He didn't ask. He stepped in. He stepped into his boat to preach to the people, to, to bring a bit of a distance, because they were all stood on the shore, so they could preach to these people. And first of all, he's preaching in shallow waters, Right at the shore, because the, the rope would have just been tied to the boat, just close in, just so he could speak to these people. But halfway through what he was preaching, what he was speaking to them about, all of a sudden, we don't know what he's, he speak, what he's preaching, but all of a sudden he says to Simon Peter, I want to go a bit further. I want you to send this out into deep water. But first of all, he's available you see, Simon Peter allows Jesus to step into his, his boat, his livelihood, everything that he owns. You see, his boat, his fishing boat is his livelihood. It's the very thing that he knows he's comfortable with. It's the very thing that makes his money. And he steps into it. Some of us sometimes don't even want to allow God to just step into certain areas of our lives. We don't want to allow God to come into certain parts and we block off certain areas. But he allows Jesus to come in to his very livelihood to use for the purpose of the kingdom of God. And he steps into his boat and preaches from there. Jesus is asking us in our lives sometimes and he's going to ask us if you really want to follow God and you really want to see the kingdom of God in advancing in our city and in this church. He's going to start asking for areas of your life that you've been cordoning off. That you've been saying, Lord, I, you know, the, here's you and this is me. This is where I operate. But the Lord says, I want everything. Be available. Be available to me. And he demands from us these things. 
I don't know what represents your boat today. You might have in your life, your workplace, there's certain things you have that represent what your boat is. Where Jesus can step into some areas, but you know, there's certain things I'm not letting him in. You know, he can have this bit, but he ain't having that. And I've learned that we need to let Jesus step into every area. If we want him to use us for the kingdom of God, we have to be willing to release everything. Release everything to him. But not only does it represent certain areas of your life, but let me tell you that in this church, the very place we're sat right now, this is our boat. And we can sit and enjoy this boat. We can sit and enjoy the ride. We can sit and enjoy what we have. Or we can release it and give more of it to God and say, Lord, we want to use it to catch people. To do what your purpose is for us in this church. And if we want to see revival coming in this church, we want to see God doing some amazing things, then we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to say, Lord, we want to use this for its full capacity to let you come in and do whatever you want to do. And not hold back. John 15 says this, Remain in me to produce fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Amen. You see... If we want Jesus to come in, we need to let him be part of our lives, to remain in us, to not separate him. And he says, when you do these things, you can't do anything without me. You can't do anything without me. But if you do these things, the greatest thing is this, he says, ask whatever you wish. There's so many people today are asking God for certain things. They're saying, I want this. I want a blessing on this. I want you to do this in my life, Lord. And they're not releasing themselves to the kingdom. You see, the principles of the kingdom of God, the principles of the Bible is not, is not this, that you can just ask financial blessings, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to send off a bit of money and receive some miracle water and I'm going to be blessed in my bank account and I'm going to do this, all this kind of stuff. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. What God is looking for is for releasing yourself. Yourself. He's saying, I want to see what you're willing to lay down for me. What you're willing to give. What part of your boat will you let me come into and be available for me to use? And then you can ask whatever you wish. And a lot of people sometimes think, I can have anything I want. You know, we can't just say, Lord, can I have a car? And then it appears outside. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. If it's in line with his will and what he wants to reach and catch people. You see, the ultimate goal, remember this, what Jesus is after, is catching people. When he heals people, when he's touched Emmanuel today, he wants to touch us, he wants to bless us. But his ultimate goal is to reach the lost. It's to pull in the lost. Because there's a broken world out there. There's a broken world and people need to know the gospel. And I'll tell you, this room that we're sat in is not big enough to contain this problem. It's not big enough to contain The problem that is outside our doors today. And we can't get complacent with it. We've got to say, Lord, we want more. We want to catch the people. 
remain in him. He wants us to make ourselves fully available to him. Isaiah's response to God, when God says, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? Isaiah said, here I am, send me Lord. Here am I, send me. You know, many years ago, I said to the Lord, it's about nine, ten years ago, I said, I used to pray, I said, Lord, and I really meant it, here I am, Lord, send me, use me, whatever you want me to do, and I'll do it. I used to say, Lord, I, I don't know what this means, but do you know what? I really realized, Lord, that there's nothing in this life that we, that we've got some great things around us, but the, the truth is this, that there's nothing worth anything other than you. So, Lord, use me. I don't know what that means. A few years later, someone spoke a prophetic word. I've shared it with people over my life and said, these are the things you're going to be doing. And it was a response to some of the things I've been praying about. I never thought these things would come to fruition. Now, look where it got me. I'm now going to release myself to work for God. Praise God, it's a great thing. But when we say these things, if we really mean it, here I am, send me Lord, he will do it. If you want to work for the kingdom of God, you want to do things for his kingdom, say it to him, but mean it. Mean it in your heart. Say, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I don't know what it means, but I want to do it. Isaiah said, here I am. Send me, Lord. Send me. Some people have got skills here, have got talents, have got things that God has blessed them with over the years. Sometimes we don't share these things. And many times I meet people and they say, I'm a singer. I say, I've never heard you sing. And I play this instrument, I play this. And I think, until you speak to people and ask them. And God has blessed people with certain gifts and talents in this church. And God is going to use you. But you have to be released. You have to say, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it means. Here I am, send me, Lord, use me. These parts of my life, Lord, that I've been cordoning off and not letting people see or, 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 or come into. The, my boat, Lord, I don't want you to come so far in, but the Lord says just re- reveal yourself. Just let yourself be free and use yourself in these areas. God's going to use you. Be available to him. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. It's worthless. It's worthless. You know, a few weeks ago when we did the wow walk and the guys were down here downstairs and we were having a fun on the table, tennis table, having some great fun and we were organizing that day and, you know, to some it was just we were messing around on the table, tennis table and having a laugh and, but there were things had to be done and I'll not forget that we, one of the guys, one of my friends came and he did the barbecue for the people. But the other thing was this, that I bought a stack of the food in the, in the fridge and I got all these onions to cook. And Keith walks in, and I know he's a cook. This is Keith here. He walks in, he says, what can I do for you? And I thought, well, I could cut them onions. It'll take me hours. <laughs> and my fingers all stink, so no, I don't want to do it. But he said to me straight away, I can do that. And like Jamie Oliver is there, going through these onions. But do you know what? Just little things like this. God is blessing people with talents and gifts that are not necessarily spiritual gifts. God has blessed people with such things here that, do you know what? When he cut them onions up, it was the best thing he could ever have done for me. I mean it. Because I could spend longer on the table tennis table. No. When he did that for me, honestly, that is what I mean. God has blessed people with talents. Over the years, I've tried to invest myself into this church, not, nece- not necessarily spiritually, but using some of the graphical talents I've, I've gained. 
to communicate with the outside world. One of my main jobs, my, my, my main line of work is marketing communications to communicate with people through graphical visuals, videos, you name it. And you know when I step into this new role, do you think that that ends for me? The Lord's going to use me to use some of the skills I've learned because let me tell you something. We are in the communications business. We are trying to communicate a message. And it's not marketing, it's not business. But the Lord has blessed us with these talents and gifts. When he used to help, when people many years ago in the Bible in the Old Testament used to prepare and build the temples, they all had certain gifts that they brought to develop the house of God. And we and many of you here are saying, do you know what? I can't be used. But you are, you have so much, so much to give. Because how many of you know this, that God gives you the ability to learn? He gave you a brain to understand some of these things, these practical things you've learnt. And let me tell you, I believe that some of the graphical things I've done over these years here have helped to communicate the message that we're trying to release. I can't do everything. And there's many more people here who are in the media and marketing and things like that. I know because I speak to people. There's people here who've got the ability to release some of these things. And what God does is he puts his supernatural touch on them. And helps us to win the people. So don't say today, I've got nothing, I've got, I can't offer anything. You have got everything. So everyone in this room has a part to play in the body of Christ. To function the body. Everyone. And I want to encourage you today, I mean today's not a message about me, a feel good message of I'm just going to, you know, say God's going to bless you and blah, blah, blah. Today is a day when I just want to say my heart, share my heart and say, we need to reach people. Because if you want to see this place, it's full capacity. It's not about how good the music is. When the Spirit of God comes in this place, let me tell you, when people start to receive their sight back and their functioning, that's far better than a nice electric guitar and some lights. Far better. Because when Jesus' Spirit comes in this room, there's nothing beats that. Nothing. Nothing at all. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor is not in vain. Do you know there's so many times we work hard and we do things. We're running around for church and doing things and we're saying, Lord, is it worth it? This is it. We're not seeing the fruit that we're supposed to be seeing. But the Lord says this, that your work's not in vain. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. You see, I don't judge what I'm seeing in immediate fruit around me for the work that I'm doing. Because I know that there's something far bigger coming. If we judge it by what we see, then we're going to fail. Jesus says, you, you're not gonna, you can't really see what I can see ahead. The supernatural. You can't see ahead what I can see for this church. And I believe for greater and bigger. So when we do the work now, we're setting the foundations of something great that God wants to do. And you can be part of that. Give yourselves fully, fully to the work of the Lord. Fully meaning not holding back, not holding back and saying, Lord, you can step in for 10 minutes in the boat. You can use it for a little bit and preach these people, but I've got to, you know, I've got to pack up and go. You can have it just for a short time. The Lord says, be available, be available. And Peter did. Simon Peter just released it, said, Lord, you do whatever you want to do and speak to these people. What we're looking for in this church is not an atmospheric church that is just based on atmosphere. 
What we're looking for is something that has substance. It has substance to it. It has something that people, when they walk in, they say, I've not just been to a nice meeting where I feel good. It has substance. It has something where the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God is alive in this place, there's substance. It's nothing wrong with having atmosphere to help people and to help people to worship. Many times I've heard Peter say that the Lord doesn't need a piano. Sorry, Alan. He doesn't need me either. But he doesn't need instruments. But sometimes we do to help us to worship. I've heard people, and some of you know, we watched a DVD um, recently. I can't remember the name of it. One of the, the DVDs we watched downstairs. And people, the other side of the world, who had nothing and they were worshipping God, just clapping. When everything around them was falling apart, they could worship. Let me tell you, if, if, if church is all about having the best music and the best look and feel visually, then how can it be that other parts of this world don't have that but still have God? So we've got to remember that it's not about these things. These things are good. They might help us and encourage us. But God's looking for substance. Because you can go out tonight. You can go to clubs, pubs all around this city. You can join clubs. You can do whatever you want. You will find atmosphere. You can find it all over this city. In lots of places. But we're not here. We're not here to be the same as them. With the salt of the earth. With the salt of the earth. And there's a difference, you know, between salt and sauce. You can stick sauce on something to make it taste a bit better. But the salt brings out the flavors and brings out the best in what's already there. God wants to put some salt, us to emerge, to bring out the best of everything he's ever brought into this place, his spirit. We don't want to just be a sauce church where we just look good. We want to be the salt of the earth, amen. And he's looking for a church that's authentic and willing to serve him. Be available for him. See, good fishermen keep their eye on the water. I know when I was really young, I went out and went fishing with someone and the float was in the water. I don't know much about fishing, so apologies for those who know a lot about fishing. But I remember that he's, you know, people sit there for hours and I used to think, why on earth do they do this? Why do they sit for hours? But, you know, it's nice to do and people like this kind of thing. But they have to keep their eye on the water because if the float starts moving, they need to know to get that. And some of us, we say we go fishing, but we're so distracted, we probably listen to the radio reading the book and the floats moving all the time. We missed another one. We missed another one. Because really we look like we're fishing. We look like we're doing the business. But really our eye is not on the goal. Our eye is not on the prize. Our eye is not on what God wants us to look for. Good fishermen keep focused and their eyes on the float. Always. That's why they sit there for hours watching. Luke 15, 1 to 7 says this. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go off after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who did not need to repent. Let me tell you this. When we're in our boat and we're available, when people come in through this door, 
If they're new people, we need to be ready keeping our eye on the float. We need to be ready because the broken people that will walk in this place, if we're just so concentrating on our groups and our clicky groups and not looking for the float that's moving, we're going to miss these people. And God sometimes, he's asking us to go out and do something, but he also sends people, amen, thankfully. Sometimes when we don't go out there, he sends people in. And the float's bobbing, but we're just distracted. We're listening to the radio while we're fishing. We're looking at the paper. We're doing all the things that look good for fishing, good, good for church. But we're missing people's lives who need to hear the gospel. And I want to encourage you today to start thinking, change your mentality and start thinking this. When I come here, I'm here to fish. And I'm looking constantly. Where is there a a float that is dipping? Where can I go and reach someone? The one. Because we can always fellowship. We can always meet with people another time. People need us. And when we meet on Sunday, we are the, the lifeboat for many. Amen. You know, when you're in King's Church, for some people who walk in this place who are new, you are Jesus to people. Now you might say, what? That's wrong. I'm not Jesus. No, you represent him. You represent King's Church, but you represent Jesus. To some people who walk through these doors on a Sunday morning and other days as well, The moment they walk in, they're looking. And you probably, we can be sipping our coffee and just enjoying things. And this person's waiting, saying, does anyone really care? They're looking for what? The love from the people. And you are the representative of King's Church, but the representative of the King of Kings. People remember first impressions last. First impressions last. There's many people I've seen walk through these doors sometimes. And I'm not criticizing anyone because I've done this myself. And I've not spoken to them. They've gone. Where have they gone? Hopefully they've gone to another church. Hopefully they're settled and rooted in. But let's not miss these opportunities. Be available. Be ready. Just this last week I've been on the phone. Trying to sort out a, a mobile phone problem uh, with a contract and with a phone that's been coming through. And I've been phoning uh, T-Mobile up and been phoning. And I have spent, I've been helping my dad do this and spent hours and hours, and I mean hours, on the phone. And my dad has too, trying to sort out. And how many of you know that, that when businesses start to grow, and such as T-Mobile, they start to farm out their phone centers to other parts of the world. And you end up ringing someone up and they, they seem to know less about it than you do. And it's just... You, th- you spend half your time explaining some of the stuff to them. And I spent hours this week of going through the same story a hundred times with people who don't seem to even make any notes. And it's, I've had a nightmare. And do you know what? Some of the people I've been speaking to, as, as nice as some of them have been, and some of them have been a bit awkward. But, you know, some of the people I spoke to, what, these people, to me, have represented the brand T-Mobile. They've represented who they are as a company. They've represented exactly T-Mobile. You see, there might be some fantastic T-Mobile people out there who have got five stars and are very, very good at speaking to people and very good at solving the problems. Unfortunately, I never met them. 
Unfortunately, I was the, could you say, unlucky one, unfortunate one to get a call with someone who represented that brand that has actually took years to establish. And in seconds, people ruin it because they give a bad service. They represent it. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, that you are the ambassadors for Christ. You are the ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador means this, a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity. Well, we are representing a specified activity, reaching the lost, seeking the lost. And you're an ambassador for Christ. Don't let someone's impression of you be the same as it has been for me. That when they leave here, they think, now I know what church is like. It's just as I thought it was. We need to be representatives of his kingdom. Titus 2 verse 9 says this, that we should make the teaching of our Savior attractive. We should make it attractive. So sometimes people, I believe that doing the things that we need to do, and I go back on some of the things earlier, when we, all the nice things we can have in church, the lights and all these nice things, none of this stuff is bad. We're making the teaching of our Savior attractive. But the core element is this, that his teaching is the core. That is the core. That is the real thing. You see, unfortunately, human beings um, look at things superficially. We have to get through some superficial barriers first before we can get the message. So we have to use some of these things. Jesus says, be shrewd, didn't he? Jesus said, be shrewd. And I sometimes think this, if I can use the things that will attract someone, if they're good and righteous, even if they're not necessarily spiritual, we can attract people to then give them the message, it's still good. It's still good. Sometimes in Jude it says this, that we'll snatch people from the fire and some of them we won't. We, some people we will need to reach far differently than others. Number two, we need to be available, number one. But number two is this, we need to be obedient. Be obedient. Luke 5 said this, we read it earlier, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we'll let down the nets. Basically, Simon Peter was saying, Lord, you can use the boats for the nets because do you know what? We've not caught a thing all night. We're absolutely shattered. We've been working really hard. How many of you know what it feels like to do that? Sometimes you can have been working hard and seen nothing for the fruit. You're shattered. And you think, the last thing I want to do now is just do anything for you, Lord. Lord, can we just wait till tomorrow? And Simon Peter's there and he says, yeah, you can use the boats, Lord. But then Jesus says to him, I don't want to just step into here on shallow water. I want you to go back out and do something that you've just been spending all night doing. Because if you follow my command, you will see your boats full of fish. Simon Peter could have sat there thinking, do you know what? This guy knows nothing about fishing. He's a carpenter. What does he know about fishing? What does he know about fishing? What does he know about the thing I've been learning and doing for years? This is my expertise. This is my giftings. You can preach. You can use my boat to preach. But what do you know about fishing? Jesus says to him, send them out into deep water. And cast your nets out. Because you're going to catch some fish. And Simon Peter, he responds to Jesus. And he obeys him. Peter says this. We weave worked hard and we 
are tired. Speaking of all the fishermen he was working with, his group. He says, we are tired. We've worked hard all night. We've exhausted ourselves, he said. That's pretty tired. But do you know what he then says? I will. Not we will. I will. You see, Jesus is going to challenge you today. He's going to challenge you as we go on in this next season. And let me tell you this. If you wait around for the we, the collective, it's never going to happen. If I wait for everyone, for the crowd, till we actually do something, it's not going to happen. Jesus says he wants you. You have to make a decision. And when you do, people see the fruits of the labor. They see what happens. And we cannot wait. Peter says, we've been working hard all night. We're exhausted. We're tired. But I, but I, I will go. And I will do it, Lord. Because you said so. Don't wait for your friends to take extraordinary steps for God. You've been waiting forever. Hear the voice of God and act. Don't wait and look and say, I'm going to wait until he starts stepping out in faith and praying for sick and doing this in work. And if they do it and it works, and then I might do it. The Lord says this, we should imitate the faith of others. We should imitate the faith of others, not imitate people. Remember that. Never imitate people. We should imitate the faith of others. It's a completely different thing. But the one thing we should be doing is not waiting for others, but doing it ourselves, stepping out into the deep. When Peter stepped out of the boat onto the water, he stepped out on his own. He said, Lord, call me if it's you. And then I will step out. And he did. And he did it on his own. He didn't say, shall we all just test it and see what happens together? He went. And do you know what his friends must have thought when he did that? They must have looked out on that water and thought, I wish I'd have done that. But if I go now, it looks like I'm only acting because I can see it's happening. It's working. But Peter had the faith to believe. To do it first. I will. Simon chose to believe God. He chose to believe God despite it looking pointless. Despite it looking like, well, there's no fish out there. We've just spent a whole night, but I'm going to do it. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God knows things different to what we know. Do you know, if he can command the weather to move and he can command things to change, the elements of the sky, the elements of the earth, he could command, at his command, these things shifted and changed. He can command fish to appear in a net. He can command the fish of the sea to move into that net. He can do anything he wants. His thoughts, his ways are different than ours. So we have to trust him, say, I will, Lord. Even though I feel it's not going to work, I will. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to be obedient. And I know, Lord, if I do this, I will see the fruit. The commission of God is far more valuable than our pride. It's far more valuable than your pride. We sometimes hold on to our pride and say, Lord, I'm going to wait until I see everyone else doing this. But I've just learned this. I've learned it recently more than ever. Step out for Jesus. Do things. Do things that's a bit crazy sometimes. That really does put God on the line. And God likes us to do these kind of things. I think he chuckles sometimes. And he looks at us and thinks. You're putting me on the line. But that's faith. That's faith and action. Faith is nothing without action. We need to act upon it. 
Psalm 25 verse 3 says this, those who trust in me will never, never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. That's what I love about it. If we step out, put everything down on the line, say, I will, Lord. He says, if you trust in me, doing it for the right reasons, you will never be put to shame. It's amazing stuff. We can read these things so quickly sometimes and just disregard them. But he says, trust me. Trust me. You'll never be put to shame. I won't show you up. I won't show you up. I'll show myself. King's Church here today is like a boat with an amazing potential for us. It's an amazing potential. And we're the living stones in it. We're the ones who are going to function and make this work the way God wants it to work. When we were recently, I I went with Emma, we went to London. And many of you might have seen this in London. They're all over the world, I suppose. But we went on and we looked on the Thames. We were walking down the Thames one morning and... We went past the, is it the HMS Belfast? It's a big boat moored up on the Thames. We've seen it several times, walk past, and you, you can pay to go on and look at this old warship and look around it. I've never been onto it, but you can look on this warship. And there's many places we've been where you can do this. You can look at boats that used to be used for certain things. And you know, sometimes we can be just like that. We have a danger of being like a stationary boat that's a museum piece. Just like that HMS Belfast, that if you went onto it and looked around, there'd be people who were fanatics about it would say, well, this is where we used to do this, and this is where we operate this, but now it's, you know, it's just, this is, you can look at it, but this is not operating. And let me tell you this, you, you, we could have a church that has all these attributes, it, has all, it looks great, just like that ship would, showing all the functions of what it could do. But we don't want to become a museum piece that's stationary, sat on the shallow shore, For people to pop in and have a look. Have a look around and say, you know, this is what we've got. This is what, this is function. Sometimes we do this and we need to be using our boat for its purpose in deep water. Not let it be a museum piece that people just come in and hop in and out as they please. Just to come and look. Finally, number three. Is this, we need to be prepared. Be prepared. Luke 5 says this, verse 6, When they had let their nets down, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Simon's, Peter's boat, only received a catch that was big enough for his faith. You see, when he sent his boat out, he sent these boats out to catch these fish. He was so knowledgeable about his his method of work that he would have gone out there and he'd have known what you would, a fisherman would know what size boat he needs to have to receive the amount of fish that he would get. You're not going to buy a fishing boat if you're in the trade and go out and fish If you know that if a certain amount of fish would come in, that your boat's going to sink. You wouldn't buy that boat. You would buy one that would take the capacity of what you know is feasible on your trip. And when they went out, do you think, because I do, that when they went out and they sent these boats out and they got the catch and it fills the boat and they start to sink, he must have thought, whoa, 
We've had some big catches in our time. We've had some big catches where we, we knew when to fish and we had a good time and we caught and we were happy with what we've got. And we knew we could always cope with it. But this is way beyond it. This is way beyond what we, we ever thought was actually possible. To the point where the, the boat that I have doesn't function properly. It can't contain this. It can't contain what you've done. And we need to be prepared. Our boat needs to be prepared to receive the catch. The miraculous catch that God wants to do. Not the type of catch that we think we can do. In the natural. You see, you could think, well, we've got 190 odd seats here we can fill. We can do this and that, you know, we can reach it. Do you know, God is thinking far bigger than 190 seats. Honestly. I encourage you, we're not just a little chapel down the road. We are the potential to be something great for God. Something amazing for Him. We need to be prepared. We don't want to be surprised like Simon Peter was. And if we start to receive the catch in this place on a Sunday morning like you would really want to, let me tell you, I hope that the floor wouldn't sink and go through. We've had it tested. Uh, is that right, Jean-Louis? It's fully. If it's not, I'm resigning from the trustees today. But we need to be ready. We've already took the first steps. We've put the floor in. We've been expanding this. It's been in our hearts ever since I've been here to do more expansion. We're preparing the boat. That's what we're doing. Preparing the boat to receive. And we're not just going to sit the boat on the shore. No, we're not going to physically take the church out. But you are the church. You are the living stones. You are what make up this church. Not a piece of concrete and mortar and glass. And all the fancy stuff. You are the church. It just so happens we meet in a building. And we need to take this church out. We need to take this boat out. Into our city. And be prepared to receive the miraculous catch that God has. Be prepared to receive it. And not be surprised and saying, look, now people are coming in. We can't cope with this. We can't deal with it. We can't deal with it. Because it's not just about how many people can you fit in here. I'm not talking about how many people we can sit on these seats. Do you know there's more to it than that? The things are this, that when people come in, we're going to have to do more teaching, alpha teaching. We're going to have to do more of introductions to Christianity, Christianity Explored courses. And believe you me, I can't do it all on my own. It's going to take us to be ready to bring in the catch, to teach people the elementary truths of the Bible, the basic stuff before they even understand the complex. You can't expect these people to come in. And then just know everything. People don't know. Some people have never been to church before. And when they come in, we need to teach them the, the basic truths. So being prepared is not just making sure we've got a few more seats out and making sure we can cope with the numbers. We're not in it for the numbers game. We're in it to train and disciple people, to release people into the kingdom of God, let them move in the gifts of the Spirit, and be active and fulfilling everything that God wants them to be. That's what we're here for. Not for a number on a seat. I'm not, you can come and attend this church and we could have loads and loads of people, loads of services. What does that mean? What on earth does that mean? It means nothing. It means nothing. Just to have people attending, we need to be used. 
You've all got great gifts. You're part of the body. Be prepared. Be ready. Making solid boats. No holes in. No leaks. We can't let leaks. Jesus was looking for the one. Instead of the 99 righteous who's looking for the one, we need to be careful that they don't just leak out, like I said earlier, and just leave. We need strong boats. Leaking boats can't hold fish very well. And the whole thing sinks. And consolidation and bringing people in is key. It's key. How many times have you heard this? I don't know if, you, if anyone's a decorator here, but every time we ever come to paint or decorate in our house, and you go down to get the paint, and you're going you're gonna to do this mass decoration in your house, and you get all the stuff you think, it's not going to take that long, this I can paint, but the guy in the paint shop says, preparation's key. Preparation's the key. Because if you don't prepare well, the paint falls off quite soon. Preparation's key. Preparation is key. It's the thing that will bring longevity. It's the thing that will bring length to what we're doing. Good fruit, not weak fruit. You see, boats, when they're designed, is this. I don't know if you ever thought about when a boat's designed. But you could get a boat that's a thousand pounds, let's just say, weight. Designed specifically by a boat designer. Or you could get a thousand pound block of metal made out of the same material. Drop them both in the water and the block will sink. The boat will float. The reason why the boat floats is because it will float until until it will until it's dis, it's displaced the water of its weight, the total amount of water of its weight, it will float then. And the reason being is that this the boat is designed with the weight, these massive tankers we see and the things that we see on the sea. You think, how on earth do these things float? They've been designed to float. You could get the same weight in metal and drop it in, and it would fall down to the floor. There's a design in the boats that allows them to float, to take capacity of weight. And we need to think about how we design this boat, how we prepare this boat ready to receive. And Simon set his weight for his catch. He thought, you know, if we go out, Lord, and you, 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 say, you do what you say you're going to do, and you are going to fill these boats, well, come on, we'll go. It'll be great, we'll have lots of fish, and we'll be productive. But if we do this, I know that what we can what we can fit in the boat. But he set a weight limit. He knew he didn't think that they would be struggling to get the boats even back to shore, and they might lose the boats. Preparation's key, and I want to just encourage you. Looking for you, say, well, what can we do to prepare it? You know, it's all finished. The carpet's down. It's it's done, and it's going to take certain things as we move on into the next season of how we develop people in the courses and types of things we do. And I'm going to be looking to encourage people to lead in some of these areas and to try and teach people in elementary truths. Because we need to prepare. If we're going to bring in people, we need to just, we need to let these people come in and be, and to grow up in the faith. That's how we get the people that have value. You might say, how on earth are we going to fit more than when we fit 190 people in here? Well, we might have to one day do multiple services. You're saying, what? Multiple services find it hard enough coming to one. More than one. We have to think. How do we design the boat to cope with something bigger than what is in our imagination? So that supernatural thinking. How do we design it? Then we might need to put certain infrastructures in. You see, the best thing to do is not wait until this church gets full on a Sunday morning until you design it 
Because then you've got problems. You've got problems. We, need, we might need to start thinking differently in the future. I met just a few weeks ago. I went to a, a conference day. And I was chatting to a, a pastor in a church down south. And they, um, at this particular church, they have just spent a lot more money than we have developing their church building. And I remember going to this church years ago with Emma. We went down to it. And I remember what it was before. And he's telling me about everything they've done to this building. And then I said, uh, so how many people? He says, we have multiple services, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, we, we're actually meeting somewhere else at the moment. I said, what, you don't meet in the building that you've just spent all this money on? He said, no, it's not big enough. So we're hiring another building. You know, there's certain people who would want to say, well, we've got the comfort now, we've got everything we have. And I'm not saying we're going anywhere. What I'm saying is this, that we can enjoy this comfort. But some people like him see the potential of designing the boat. Because it's all about people, not about comfort and complacency. And we've got to start thinking, do you know what? If I have to give up my car parking spot, if I have to do some of these things because it means reaching the lost, you know, one of the things we've always encouraged there is that people who come to this church, who partner in this church, don't even park in the car park. Give up your spot. So that when someone comes, when one of the fish wanders in, they think, wow, I can park my car here. One day they'll become one of the people who joins us in the other car park. When they understand that actually we're in a job to reach the lost. So we have to do these things. We have to think strategically. But this church was thinking outside the box. They were thinking, I'm not going to accept what we have as our own building. We're going to have to think somewhere else because they wanted to grow it. And we need to be prepared to increase the space. Think big for God. Genesis 6 verse 15 says this. You don't have to turn to it. But Genesis 6 verse 15 talks about Noah building the boat. So what's Noah got to do with this? Completely different story. God said to Noah, verse 15, this is how you build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. It was very precise. Make a roof for it. Leaving below the roof and opening one cubit high all around. Put a door on the side in the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. And every creature that has um, the breath of life in it. Everyone on earth will perish. In that just that simple instruction he gave to Noah. He said build a boat. He didn't just say build a boat. Do it how you like. He knew. God knew what was going to happen. He knew what he was going to do he said. I'm going to send waters that are going to cover the earth and ruin this earth. And he knew exactly what he was going to do. So he knew what type of boat needed to be designed exactly to cope with that situation. And he, he gives these instructions to Noah to build the ark. Listen guys, this is not just the uh, simple cartoon story in your kiddies books. He gave the instructions because he was concerned about what he was going to do to rescue his believers. To rescue the ones who followed him. And to rescue a, a remnant that would bring to fruition who we are today. He did it because he loved them. But he had to bring his judgment on earth like he will do in the future. And let me tell you, there's another judgment day coming. There's another day coming when God is going to judge the earth. And God's saying now to us as a church, you're not just somebody who's enjoying the ride and enjoying the New Testament covenant. 
I've given you some instructions, just like I gave Noah to build good boats, to build a boat that has the, the, the doors in the right place, to have the right uh, pitch put on it so that it doesn't leak, the right decks and the, the right position, because he knew everything about what was going to happen. Noah knew nothing. The friends looked at Noah and they laughed because they thought, what on earth is he doing building a boat like that? You don't need a boat like that. It's not even, there's no water. And just like I said, with Simon Peter, we need to think outside the box. God's saying, think to design this church and how you operate for not your natural thinking, but the supernatural thinking. Because I am going to bring, there's going to be a judgment and you need to rescue the people. You need to have a boat that's designed to bring them in and rescue them. Verse 22, following all those instructions that I've just said that he gave to Noah. Verse 22 says this, that Noah did everything just as God commanded him. God asks us to prepare our church lifeboat, let's call it. He gives us a requirement spec. In my job, when I do certain things and we design uh, websites and all this kind of stuff, many times I hear the term, you need to have a requirement spec. What's your requirement spec? What's this? What do you need? I think, I don't know. I don't know what I need. There's too many questions. But the Lord says this. There's a requirement spec he gives us. It's very detailed in what he wants us to do as a church for his body to function. And some of the requirement specs for us are this, that church should be evangelistic. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Church should be spirit-filled. Ephesians 5:18, be filled with the spirit. Church should disciple people. Hebrews 5:13. People need solid food, not milk. And if Noah would have ignored the detail in his instructions and thought, do you know what? I don't want a door there because it doesn't look very good. I don't want it there. I want to do something different. I don't want to put two decks on or whatever. In fact, I'm going to not bother with a pitch. It takes too long to do that. If he'd have ignored these instructions, it may have failed its purpose. We don't want to ignore any of the instructions God, the elements he wants in this church. Kings has a unique blueprint for God. He has it in his mind. He has a a requirement spec. Builders, when they build houses and you go and look at new developments, they show artists' impressions. They say, do you want to buy this house? Some people, I know they buy houses. Many of you will have done. They'll buy a house before it's even built. Based on a picture that Wimpy or Barrett's or anyone will show you. They'll say, that's what it's going to look like. You're just hoping that it is. And then... When you get your house, you're looking, is it the same? Is it, is it the same? Wait a minute. There's two doors on here. I've only got one. But they give artists impressions because it captures the vision of what is going to be built. God has given us an impression. Your dreams, your biggest dreams for this church. If you could think now, you could go, turn on God TV today and see mass churches all around the world. Big churches. Thinking, yeah, that, that is a great church. Wow. Wow, look at that. I wish ours were like that. You think, we haven't got as many people as that. Wow, imagine having those crowds like that. That's the church where I'd like to be. Let me tell you this. God is giving you, in your biggest dreams, the blueprint. He's giving you the artist's impression saying, do you know what? If you want it, you can have it. But you have to work for it. You have to do something to get it. It doesn't just come in the palm of your hands. God doesn't do that. He says, give me your boat. Make yourself available. Obey me, be prepared. We read earlier in Luke 5, said Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on you'll fish for people. And they reached many people. They left everything and followed him. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, must follow me and take up your cross. There's no time to wait for everyone. We need to be prepared. Finally, John 21 verse 10 says this. Jesus said to them, this is the story. Many of you know of the story after Jesus' resurrection. He's by, by the shore, sat on the shore, and he's cooking some fish. And he sees the guys out again. It's a second story where there's going to be another miraculous catch. And he shouts out to them and tells them again, Guys, I know that you think I'm just a carpenter, but just put your nets that side and you'll catch another catch. They're probably thinking, he's here again. But you know what? Last time he was right. And they did it again and they caught another big catch in John 21. Jesus said this to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, it said. 153, they give the number in this story. They know exactly what they've got. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. With so many fish that they could count, 153 to be exact. The writer even puts it in there for us. The net was not torn. You see, they'd learnt things. They understood things about the catch. And in this story, after resurrection, when Jesus shouts out to them, their nets were ready. They understood that if they started to walk around with this Jesus, and when he starts to do some crazy stuff, things that they weren't going to expect, that they thought, well, do you know what? I bet they thought we might have to just strengthen our nets to double the standard to what they normally are. Because if we're going to hang around with this Jesus and this keeps happening, we need to keep the fish. And let me tell you, that's the message to you today. If we're going to hang around with Jesus, we're going to do things for him, work with him. We're going to get catches that are bigger than we ever expected. So let's strengthen the nets ready. Let's be in the John 21 story that understands what God said. Not, not, let's not be in the other story, the Luke 5 one that says, Oh, we're surprised, Lord. Thank, thanks, God. But we're surprised we can't cope with all this. We need to be strategic in our thinking. Just a summary of what we've learned today. Number one is this. We need to be available for God. Be available for him. Number two, be obedient. When he asks us to do some of these things to, when it's against our natural thinking, when it's against what we understand, to act on it and do it if we want to see this church grow. And number three, be prepared. Be prepared for the miraculous catch. Be prepared for what God is going to do in this place. There's a broken world that we need to reach. Jesus said, I've come for the The sick people. I've not come for the ones who've got it all together. I've come for the sick people. There's a church, good 10 years back now, I know. And they told a story that some of them were leaving their bags and belongings around in the church with expensive mobile phones and expensive gadgets and things like that. All their belongings, they'd leave them on the chair and they'd wander around the church talking to people. And do you know why they did this? Because they were comfortable. They'd grown comfortable. They'd grown comfortable to think, do you know what? It's such a safe place to come to church. Everyone's lovely. Everyone's Christians. No one's going to steal my bag. I can go downstairs and have a coffee and it'll be fine. Do you know what what the type of church I want to see is the church where you are worried about leaving your stuff around? Because if the thief comes in, we want them to come in, don't we? We want these people to come in, mess up the church a little bit. You might say, no, 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 no. 
I want a church that it's all nice and dandy. I have, I come in and have, have my drink and go, latte, double, extra shot, and then off. But do you know what? It's truth. I'm telling the truth. The truth is this, that if we want to see people come in, I'll tell you, I remember a day in this very church where someone, many of you might know him, Nathan Morris, went out speaking. He now preaches all around the world and he went out speaking on the streets in Cambridge and was going up to some of the, the guys, the guys are on the streets, the homeless guys. And one in particular, one of these guys in particular, it event, eventually come to know some of the groups that used to go out and meet them. And he stole one of the guy's wallets from this church. But the guys didn't reject him. They carried on being friends with him. We knew that he'd done what he'd done. But we didn't condemn him in any way. And they accepted he stole. They didn't even accuse or go to the police. Do you know what? About a couple of months later, I'll never forget it. Downstairs, in the room downstairs, we were in a service. And this guy who'd stole walked into the church and he walked right down the front and he said, I want, can I have the mic? Well, when someone starts asking for the mic, it's quite a worrying thing sometimes when these things happen. But in this particular incident, there was just something about what was happening that it felt right that he wanted to say something. And he took hold of the mic and he said this. He said, that gentleman over there, he said, I stole his wallet and confessed to it. And the guy who I know is, you might have met him before, is Wesley Thurvaraja, the tall Sri Lankan guy we always talk about. Beautiful guy, man of God. And he came out from his chair and he hugged the guy at the front. He said, don't worry, that's fine. God loves you. That's what I want church to be. I want church to be that. I want people to think they could come in when they've sinned and they've done something really bad. That God loves them so much that he gave his son for them. doesn't matter whether they upset me or they hurt me. We're here to rescue them, to save them. And let me encourage you today. If anything, that this word is not just a... I don't want to go away today and for you to think, oh, another, it's a nice word. We've learned a bit about the boats and the fish. It's not. This is real stuff, guys. And if we want to see what I want to see in this church, then please get behind me. Get behind me and let's be the army that God wants us to be. And believe you me, we might not be in this building, but hey, let's go where God takes us, yeah? Let's just do whatever he wants to do. Let's just run with it. And one day we'll be getting up testifying saying, I'm so glad I stepped out. I'm so glad I just started thinking, do you know what? It's not about me and what I've, how I feel at church. Because I'll tell you what, there's no better reward than seeing the fruit of your labor. There's no better reward. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.